Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Things That Made England. I'm Roy Phil Brown and with me I have... David Crowther of the History of England. It was the best of time. It was the worst of time. She was the people's princess. We shall fight on the beaches. Oh, hey, man. These are the things that made England. We shall fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And the king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. It gives wind in Churchill's sails to say we can continue to fight on. Well, there cannot be many more famous events in English history than 1066. It hurts, (laughs) even now. Because 1066 is important. Yeah. But there's aspects of modern British culture which I think get overlooked. So I'm proposing that this week we do scar. For me, the English flag has in the past certainly become associated with factionalism, and, well, hideous racist and far-right views, and it's turned into a thing of disunity and almost xenophobia. The idea of this show is to decide on what things that make England... As she is, the country that, despite it all, we feel lucky to be part of. Every week, one of us, that's David and I, will pitch an idea to the other to be designated as one of the things that makes England distinctive. Go and join our shiny new Facebook site where once a month we will post a poll where, should you so desire, you can make your own very suggestions for applications to the I Made England Award. So, without more ado, let's do it. Right, we're recording. Oh, God. (laughs) This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Hello, it's Robert here. We're at the Marsh Harrier on Marsh Road in Oxford for the second ever Oxford Dumpty Dum Meetup. Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Dumpty Dum Dum, Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Diddly Dum, Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dumpty Diddly Dum, Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Diddly Dum. And Maudlin School Choir couldn't have done it better. (laughs) Good morning. This is a public service announcement for Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Jan Mitchell calling in to encourage you to join the Dumpty Dum Patreon team. 
For a small donation of $2 a show, you will get access to extra content like Royfield's fabulous interviews, Anya who plays Alexi, of course, and Headley who plays the mysteriously missing Kathy. Those interviews really enriched my enjoyment of The Archers, and I'm really looking forward to the next one with Becky Wright, who played Nick Grundy. Please consider supporting our wonderful Dumpty Dum creative team. You won't be disappointed. Oh, and by the way, no one asked me to do this. This is all on me. Bye, everybody. Well, I think that bleak came in a little bit too early. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the rowdy duffy drama that has centred an Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the shiny new minted captain of the British Army. That is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the blubbering man-child that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Shawler's Family Support Network, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from the members of the Oxford Dumpty Dum Meetup. They sounded in fine fettle, Lucy. They did. They sounded like there was hundreds of them. Mm. Robert texted me halfway through and said, there's people here. I, don't, I think he was <laughs> expecting it. Was, it'll be just him. Nursing a pint morosely, and then thousands of people turned up. Well, I, I saw all the chatter on, on the Twitters going backwards mm. and forwards. And I know Auntie Jean came all the way down from, from Bristol, and Alison came up from Bournemouth, and then Titian, I think she's kind of Cheltenham Gloucester way. So, mm. yeah, you know, people came from far and wide to, to go to that. And it's Nothing. a testament. It's a testament to our Robert they could pull it off. So, yes, well done absolutely. to Lisa. Mm. Now, well, Lucy, yes. if somebody else would like to, uh, you know, send in a dumpty dum, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a dumpty dum, leave us a plot prediction, or have an interview and get a job in a really small village where you know lots of people apart from any of the people you see and who see you, and everyone on the interview panel completely fails to tell your best friend in the village that you're coming back, <laughs> then call us on o two o three o three one three one o five, or leave us a message on Speakpipe. Thank. Thank you to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek in the back bedroom. Derek has had a bit of a nerve-wracking week as he banks with TSB. And uh, those of you that do know that their systems all went down, he couldn't get online to transfer money to his friend, the Nigerian prince, or buy his <laughs> penis extension pills. <laughs> uh, on this week's episode, we hear views from Gemma. Andrew Horn, Bly Spirit, and Miss Mid City. But first, before all of the caller in before some inane chat, before Matt Corner, it's back, folks, and it's a good one. And we have to struggle <laughs> through Lucy Blue Freeman's week in Ambridge. <laughs> We began the week with Will Grundy, who has extended his confused ideas about grief from daily visits to the grave to daily visits to the grave with pizza while wearing new trainers. Understandably, poor Jake wants to stay with his dad rather than in an overcrowded house with an old man, a load of ferrets and a woman who keeps talking about deposits. He's a young boy, he'll be having (laughs) deposits of his own to be dealing with soon. Jim Must was having no truck with Shula's approach to an open and honest separation, as that approach seems to be, a big boy did it and ran away, I wasn't even there. He forced her to speak to Alistair, and yet she still managed to dodge every outright question about what she actually truly felt about anything. 
the only way we're going to get to the truth is if she does a one-to-one interview with Martin Bashir while wearing too much blue <laughs> eyeliner. Keeps looking uh-huh. up at him from under her eyelashes and saying, there were three of us in this marriage, me, him, and a horse with one eye. Anyway, they had a conversation rife with misunderstandings. Come back, she said. Oh, try again, you mean, said Alistair. Good God, no, don't be stupid, she said cheerily. Then she mentioned divorce <laughs> and he seemed utterly staggered. What did he think followed the announcement that his marriage was over? Ten pin bowling? I was hoping you might be a bit upset, he said. I am, I am, she said. Could you move out the way of the telly? Jimus is still <laughs> tinkling away with Kiki. She's quite the task, mistress, he said, slavering the dirty old sod. Uh, what else happened? Oh, yes. Lexi is not up the clangor. Apparently, Adam's little tadpoles wiggled their way up and said in their best dramatic tones, Hi, we're here to fertilize you. <laughs> Lexi Egg said, oh, no, you don't. Not until you can sound a little bit more cheerful and kicked them. So I've never done an impression of a sperm before, live. Anyway, Tom and <laughs> Helen are back on prime irritant form. That works. Who... Yeah, yeah that, that, that to be your shtick sperm impression. <laughs> <laughs> Who, in their right mind, when they are going to have a cup of tea around the kitchen table with their family, goes rushing off self-importantly to have what they call a pre-meet with their own sister. Oh, Tom's got to go and work on his deck and check everyone's got their ducks in a row and singing from the same hymn sheet and do a 360 on himself, which hopefully means everyone telling him what a pillock is in 360 different ways. However, Pat didn't need a pre-meet to stun the meeting into silence as she has decided to base her business decisions on the ideas of an unemployed woman who sleeps in her car. Brilliant. Olwyn Mm -hmm. is doing a TED talk next week, apparently. Helen and Pat took Peggy some brie, some asparagus and some rhubarb cordial. I hope to God she's not required to do a urine sample after that lot. She'll be rushed to Borsetta General on a drip. (laughs) Piggy lost her shit with Brian, which was hugely enjoyable. You could sense the pendulum effect of her handbag gathering momentum just before it smacked Brian a whopper right behind the ear. I picture (laughs) Peggy's handbag as like Margaret Thatcher's, both a symbol and a weapon, navy blue, rigid, very shiny, encasing a Max Factor peach rose powder compact, one of those purses with a bulgy coin bit, a pack of scented tissues and some humbugs, plus the latest edition of her will and some tipex. She conducted the entire conversation with Brian through clenched dentures. Jennifer has stuck with you through thick and thin, she said. You are thick and she is thin. I could see this ending in hand-to-hand combat, but Brian legged it back to what he laughingly refers to as his desk at the bull to carry on with his plotting. It's not really a desk. He sits by the window, staring out through the geraniums. Jolene's given him one of those pull-along Fisher-Price telephones so he can pretend to ring Martin Gibson. And he has one of the table mats as a laptop. Bless. Um, Harassment has found a way to become even more boring, pinning Fallon, my love, up against the wall and shuntering on about pensions. I don't understand why we have to listen to Fallon, my love, and Harassment's financial arrangements. I struggle to pay attention to my own and I vaguely care about them. Olwyn is on the run from Pat, but the net is closing in. Well, I say it's closing in. Pat asked harassment how to find someone who had abruptly left the homeless shelter. Have you tried the homeless shelter, he said. You know, (laughs) the one where you work. Pat said Olwyn wasn't a drinker, but she's lived at Bridge Farm for a week, living on leaks, watching Tom have pre-meets, and she's probably sitting in a park drinking Mr. Muscle by now. And Hannah, Hannah's back. You know Hannah. Hannah and her 
her lack of petrol station knowledge. Oh, it was so good to hear her again. We missed her and her her, her, her voice that said things. But anyway, Jazza was pleased. <laughs> In fact, he sounded smitten, which means she'll be off shagging someone else within days. I'm plumping for Alistair. And that, as Will Young would say, is the end of... Your Harrison sounded like Cholton from Cholton and the Wheelers. <laughs> Hello, I know, I little old lady. Hello, <laughs> little old lady. I get, I get you, Lancashire, daughter. I go a bit yeah. um, Jane Horrocks. Yes. <laughs> is Harrison Lanks and, and not Yorks? I get the two mixed up all the time. I, don't I, think, he's I think he's Lancashire. We'll have to ask mm. him. How are we going to do that then? I don't know. I'll tweet him now. Yeah, you do that. Tell you what, Lucy. Whilst we're on, whilst we're on accents, there's a tiny little diversion. Um, my interview with uh, Annabelle Dowler, who plays Kirsty, she goes through Merseyside Merseyside accents rather well, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, and just the fact that she's actually from Formby, and she has a Formby accent. Then she does Liverpool. Then she does Runcorn, and it's just the absolute tour de force. And then is it Southport? And she says, when you get up to there, then they start to sound a bit kind of lanx and stuff, and a, yeah. a, a bit like Chalton and the Wheelers. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. I was just very entertaining, very passionate woman. Now, last week in Ambridge, hmm, yes. Where do you want to start? Oh, <laughs> that was heartfelt, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, well, the, I can't really. I just, I just, I can't really believe in this Martin Gibson chucking Will out thing. I tell you what, I can't believe. I, I can just about believe that somebody would be insensitive enough when one of your key employees, their wife has died. And after like three weeks, you like snap yourself out of it. I can believe that because there's certain people of, of a generation that will just be like, well, you've had more than long enough. What I don't believe is that um, Brian wouldn't have been more outraged and would have just marched around there and says, Martin, yeah. how dare you? That's the thing which I don't get. Him saying, well, he's now the chairman of the board. Um, uh, he won't listen to me. Come on now. And also, he, it, Martin can't have done that in isolation. He would have had to have had the agreement of the rest of the board. And I can't see um, uh, Annabelle Shrivener and all those people agreeing. Mm. You know, it, it was sort of, it's the action of, of somebody completely lacking in empathy. And I can't believe they all were. I can believe, actually, that that uh, Brian wouldn't have gone round and, had to go at Martin because he's still conscious that he has to tread incredibly carefully. Um, but yeah, it's. But he, but he sounded so. Um... I mean, it's, it's a proper boo hiss, you know, melodrama, you know, pulling his cloak around him, isn't it? It's, it's a proper mm. melodrama thing to do, throwing the orphans out into the snow. It's just ridiculous. And the, and the PR for, for that would just be absolutely appalling. You know they need that they need the locals on side. So what you don't do is act in an incredibly brutal way to a local family. You just don't, especially one of your own employees. You just don't. And it's Absolutely. just realistic. Was Martin Gibson the heel that was horrible to our Kathy when she was at the? Yes, um, it was. Yeah. Yes. He's a wrong'un. He is an utter wrong'un. Hmm. 
I I liked. I must admit, I liked the Will stuff this week. I, I'm not going to. I don't think, in terms of the deafness of writing that we're getting from the Shula and Alistair stuff, this is much more obvious and signposted. Like the whole thing where Jake was obviously not going to come back. Like yeah. so, you, you know how it's going to play out, and obviously with Will, in effect, just wanting to buy the children's affection and loyalty. Which yeah. is completely not only understandable in that situation. You're lost, you're bereft, you don't know what to do. Um, he's trying to smother them. Um, yeah. but it, but it's signpost. But you we have we are getting the interaction with Ed. So with Eddie, sorry. Also with Ed, you know, that Ed's been there for his brother. So I'm I'm yeah. loving all of that. But and I And he's I, even I'm made still... friends with Emma now, hasn't he? Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, people are speculating on the twitters that yes you know she's gonna i think just because back. they're talking i can't I, I can't see you know why why that would mean that they're going to be bumping uglies again in the near future i really can't you know it's they're just mm. well, getting I, on better. that's okay yeah no uh, absolutely and he's calming down and he's got enough presence of mind to know that he has been though it's grief but he has been a, a bit of a shit and he says, I'll well, be inviting people's heads off. Yes, that's what he said to Sheila, wasn't it? Yeah. That was the first bit of insight he's shown since it happened, really. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And he's not prone for insight, is our will. So. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've heard a lot of our jazzer, haven't we? Yes. I cannot remember a thing about Hannah. Me either. Really? And I was, and I was hardcore. She's supposed to be in there about ten years ago. Yeah. I was hardcore listening to the Archers ten years ago. She was must have been in and out like a flash. You know. Well, there's a bit on the BBC, uh, the Archers website that that gives you a little um, piece of background on on Hannah. I think so. I suggest we all go off and read it and prepare for next week's meeting. Do you think we should have done that? Be- I should have done that before I. Probably we should have had a pre-meet, Royfield, shouldn't we? <laughs> Bloody hell, it took us enough time to get a sodding tech working. Never mind having a pre-meet. Talking about signposting things, because it was odd that there was so much jazz. Odd but nice, there was so much jazz yeah. this week and obviously last week. And I'm not saying that Annabelle Dowler has an insight, um, like the inside track with the scriptwriters, but she did say... I don't understand why they don't give Jazza, the actor that plays Jazza, storylines. He's brilliant. Yeah. Let's let you yeah. have some romantic interest. Low old. There you go. There you go. So, mm. right. Olwyn, uh, you upset that she's gone? No. I mean, I, I like the fact that we had um, Alison Stedman because I could kind of go around going. <gasps> Alison Stedman's on the Archers, you know. It's like saying, well, well, I'm not crackers for listening to it because Alison Stedman's on it. So it sort of gave him a bit of bragging rights. But um, yeah, as a character, she was hugely annoying. But she was hugely annoying in the way that Linda was when she first came. You know, anybody that just doesn't know their place and doesn't know when to shut up uh, is, mm. um, is kind of, it's always a bit like that when a new character comes in. So I, I'm guessing she will pop back in. I'll go so far as to say that the character of Linda Snell was annoying for the first 15 years that she was in the arts. <laughs> Seriously. It's only when, who had, was it? Kate, when, when she helped Kate. For me, it was, I came to peace with her 
when she helped Kathy with the rape. Ah, uh, okay. So that's mid noughts So what's that? Like 2006, 2007. Right, okay. She's been in it since the mid to late 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and she was annoying for me in a way that Susan Carter wasn't. Susan Carter knew was, you know, the you know, the plot device to shuttle information from one character to another through village shop. But yeah. Linda Snellen, no bloody no I was going to say the Afghans, that's Marjorie Antropos, but her and her blooming llamas. Yeah. Just, oh. But anyway, that says much more about me than says about her. But she, she, she's awesome now. Luce, how long do you think she's going to be a part of this? Because what was that name of that um, lovely old theatre um, actor that came on who played Cal Traboggan? Uh, Eleanor Bron. What's happened to her? She's in the West End. Well, and it's not as if Alison Steadman doesn't have a whole load of other things to do as well. No, exactly. So maybe that's what we're going to get. We're going to get a few more sort of big cameos, people sort of popping, guest guest appearances. They pop in for sort of two weeks and then clear off again. What, what does that serve, honestly? Is it a case of these actors have said... Well, I'll tell you what it does. And on a very cynical level, mm. they get a lot of PR. They're in the Radio Times. They get stuff on the website. They bring in new listeners. They, you know, because people will are listen. They, okay, but are they really bringing in new listeners? It, because if you are a fan of the work of Alison Steadman and you like Radio 4, you're probably already listening to The Archers. It's not as if, <laughs> it's not as if you're bringing a, in The Rock. A if it demographic. Was, exactly. If it was The Rock, <laughs> right, I'll go, you know, that's... I'll say that's opening up to a new demographic. That makes complete sense. You know what will happen now? I mean, we'll get a tweet from The Rock going, what the hell are you on about? I listen every week. <laughs> I've got the tweet along. Exeter Dormouse is probably really The Rock in disguise. Mm. <laughs> he has a similar effect on ladies as The Rock does. Good heavens. <laughs> anyway, uh, shall we um, have a go with some... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Um, Should we have Andrew Horn first? Yes. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. I'm sorry I haven't phoned in recently, but the Shula and Alistair storyline has left me in a bit of a tizzy and it's not something I want to to talk to you about. Um, Anyway, two things this week. Um, Rex and Tom, or rather... What I thought was Tom and Jazza moving pigs, but turned out to be Rex. I wondered why Tom was calling Mr. Aldridge and not Brian, um, and why he was trying to make a good impression. I thought he was going to cut Rex out from the pigs and get Neil to sell them to him direct, which was odd as Neil had already offered him the pigs. But uh, anyway, it's the curse of these voices that sound the same. Of more interest is the whole Hannah uh, storyline. Now, I'm sorry, script writers, but this won't do. Um, Hannah would have been recognised by Neil. He knows yeah. everyone who's interested in pigs, whoever passes through Ambridge. He would not yeah. have forgotten her. And yeah. uh, she would have put it on her CV because it's local interest. It's the sort of thing that would give you an opening to talk about uh, and why you're interested in the area. So that just doesn't uh, ring true. And if you read the notes that the uh, um, BBC put up, Hannah is the one that got away from Jazza. 
um, mm. and he had a soft spot for her. Um, so there will be a storyline there, I'm sure. But of more interest or possible possibility is that uh, she fancied Chris and um, she had to be steered away by Jazza and told that Alice was there. Could she be a shoulder for Chris to cry on as Alice implodes? I think we need to watch this space. I think Hannah is going to bring trouble. Bye for now. Neither uh, neither hear from you, Mr. Horn. Yes. Mm. Um, But I don't think the fact that Neil didn't recognise Hannah is in dispute. It's the fact that Neil didn't tell Jazza that she was coming back when... Neil knew that Jazza and Hannah were friends. Yes. Isn't that it? Well, I mean, it was, she must was, have. It, she must have said in the interview that you know. Basically, what they wanted, what the scriptwriters wanted, was a reveal, didn't they? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but they still could have made it much more plausible. And, you know, that she would have been recognised by various people and still had the reveal. Mm. Oh, it's Hannah from blah, blah, yeah. blah, remember, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, but, you know, just as a brief aside, and I'm not going to chunter on about this because I, I, I did do before, but this um, Alan and Shawla storyline, and I have applauded it for um, – the subtlety, the nuance and the deafness of, of the writing, but it actually is um, affecting quite a few people. So mm. I've had a couple of people message me, DM me and say, bloody hell, this is just playing out, you know, what's happened in my life. Oh. And, ju- and if you are of the single variety... And invariably, if you listen to this, you must be a fan of the Archers. Though I do know there are three or four listeners that don't like the Archers, but listen to Dum Dum anyway. There is, on Facebook, there's an Archers single social group. It is absolutely brilliant. Now, Liz, I, as part of doing this job, I sign up to the majority of Archers kind of uh, groups. And I haven't seen this one on Facebook. And, and, I, and I signed up. Now... I I said my first post, I only posted once on there, and I said, um, has anybody actually met? There's about 120 members. Has anybody actually met and there's, you know, Cupid's arrow as it found its mark on this group? Of which I had five or six lengthy, beautiful answers where, you know, these fans of the Archers have met each other and are now living together because of this Archers single social. But when you what you what you really realise is, it's not necessarily a knocking shop for Archers fans to you know to to bump uglies as you would say together, but it's a support group for people who are yeah. so you know out of a relationship, still struggling through a divorce. It's absolutely brilliant. I can't recommend it enough. Yes, oh. the majority of the members are in the UK, but it's not necessarily about meeting up with fellow Archers fans physically, though that has happened, and as I said, some have coupled off. But it's a support group. So I've seen people saying that they're struggling today because the last stage of their divorce and their their ex-partner solicitors kind of written them a nasty letter and or talking about exes, um, exes' new children in their life. It's brilliant. Can't recommend it enough. 
Archer's Single Social. Go there on, on Facebook. Go find them. You you have to answer an Archer's question to get in because I do want people who it's not just random singles. <laughs> which is good yes but when you're in you're in and it's a great group uh i applaud everybody that's part of it absolutely lovely as you were who's the next caller uh blythe spirit hello dumpty dum blythe spirit calling well i've just heard this week's dumpty dum and thank you lucy and robert for such an entertaining show i really enjoyed it just wanted to check in quickly about the catholic thing because i'm a very very lapsed catholic um but you were querying the confessional Um, Yeah, basically, you go into the confessional because you have to be in a state of grace to receive communion. Um, So what happens is you go in and say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been, in my case, 35 years since the last confession. (laughs) You uh, express your crimes and misdemeanors. You're given penance and you can exit and then you are free to receive communion. Um, And I wanted to. I thank you for mentioning uh, Dave Allen as well, because it brought back such fond memories of watching his programme as a kid. Absolutely loved it. And it was really funny because when I spoke to an Irish friend recently, we were talking about Dave Allen and Father Ted and he was saying, oh, Jesus, we we thought they were a bloody documentary, which I absolutely (laughs) love. Um, Quick check in about Shula as well. Lucy, I commend your optimism for her and... um, you know, we would, we, I suppose we would hope that her marriage breakup will be a breakthrough. But to be perfectly honest, I, I just don't think that she's going to get there. She's just far too repressed. And she's just so, she just doesn't have the, the kind of insight into her own personality to get there, I don't think. Um, what I predict is that Alistair will move on. He will find someone with whom he is so much happier and Shula will see this. And I think even though she may not regret her decision to break up her marriage, she's going to regret an awful lot about how she went about it. And it's going to be, you know, pretty cold comfort when she sees Alistair walking out with someone who is, you know, infinitely better for him. And he's much, much happier. Anyway, that's it from me. I hope everyone's well in Dumpty Dum land and I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers now. Bye. Didn't I say that about two weeks ago? Well. I said that you'd see, yeah that he would go off with somebody else mm. and realize and she would real and he would realize yeah well maybe it's Hannah I think uh, isn't going to be a bit young but then again Alistair does have form with the youngins because he didn't he kiss yeah 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 Daniel's Daniel's girlfriend but the, but then she made a total play for him didn't she that was all that was all rather messy anyway um, I think. Because I did look at the character notes of the actors last week, and Alistair is described. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. And Alistair is described <laughs> as Maudlin, isn't he? So you can imagine. I, I can't see him running off with anybody soon, as much as I would want that. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's going to wallow. And. Dare I say, that's part of the issue why Shula just fell out of love with him because he's just a boring sad sack, isn't he? He's not Mr. Action. His heart is completely in the right place. But he he isn't Mr. Dynamism and he isn't necessarily Mr. Sunshine. So this isn't like Mike Tucker um, after the the death of his wife and within 18 months he hooked up with somebody else and he was uh, doing uh, ballroom dancing and salsa dancing and stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think Alistair has that within him, and it, it, though it might more likely happen 
if he did actually hang out with his dad and with Jazza, because them pair are actually out there and you know and take take life by the scruff of the neck. But but Alistair yeah. mm, going back there with Shula, <laughs> nah. Recipe for frustration and disaster. What do you reckon? Um, mm, I think I think she's right when she said I was over optimistic. I don't, I, but it is annoying me that even her pompous little twerp of a son said, "Well, you're going to be lonely," harsh. and she said, "Well, I might not be," and he harsh, said, "Of course you will be." What? That's rather harsh. Why? Is is not pompous. Oh, Came geez. back confused and upset. Come on. No, I know, but then, but then, it's all these people saying to her, "You are going to be lonely," and she's going, "Well, I mean, people. Some people would rather be lonely on their own terms and miserable on someone else's. And you know, good, fine, as long as you take the, as long as you're prepared for to make that 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 decision and you make it and you accept that there, there is a chance then it's that that kind of um when she said well I've got my friends and my faith and my family and everything and he sort of went yeah but you know that won't be enough will it because you need a bloke and she, maybe she doesn't no listen I, I, I'll back you up when it comes to that but we the way that our society is constructed is that we expect people to be together that 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 is yeah. that is the default position, and anybody that that isn't with somebody after a certain age, you have to explain it away, um, you know. And bearing in mind that he's only ever seen his mother with somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. a natural yeah. reaction for him just to say, "But you'll be lonely." She might not be yeah. lonely. She might throw herself yeah. into her work, and no, but it's when she's saying, "I might not be," and everyone's arguing with her, and you think, "Well, let her find out if she is," you know, then. Fair enough, but, you know, let her try. I think the character of Shula is, she's an odd one because she's been with Alistair, but there's no sparks for you as a listener for them as a couple. And I don't think there ever was. I, you know, I don't remember, bear in mind that I was around when they met, but I don't remember it in the way that, you know, we re- we remember Sid and Jolene in the shower, things like that. There's no <laughs> memorable moments. No scars. Sure. That wasn't a memory. That was a mental scarring, can I just but say. But there you go. Even if it's a scar, it's there. Yeah. You know, the Jazza and his brief little thing with Fallon, I remember. I, and, of course, yeah. remember Tom and Kirsty. Remember Tom and, and Emma Brett. and Will and Emma and Ed and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Emma and Will again and yeah, yeah. No, I know, but that, that Shula and Alistair was like two pots of cottage cheese colliding. It was just <laughs> <laughs> exactly bland, pale, so, and a bit lumpy. Really, yeah. She's a bit, in a way, she's just a young auntie cardboard. Is actually what yes. she is. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she she is. Maybe it's living no... in the stables, does it to you? No, it is. It's horses. It, it, you know, it, <laughs> because no, it's not horses. I hope for her. I hope for the character of her, the way that she's going to develop, that she that something significant does happen, and and then actually she becomes a character that we actually want to listen to, because very yeah. obviously. Um, the actor can act and is committed to the role. But when you think about it, you could see Jennifer 
let's say if Jennifer and Brian split up, you could you would actually want to be interested in what Jennifer's doing. Yeah. Jennifer has enough. I want to know get the the white wine fridge for one thing. Well, you know, yeah, there is. It's going to be the whole arger and and all of that. But put that to one side. She has relationships with other characters, which are fluid and alive. Shula and Dan, her son, is like watching paint dry. Listening to that, yeah, in a way that Jennifer and any one of her children isn't. Jennifer and her sister isn't. Jennifer and her mother isn't. So we, I hope that they're setting Shula up, the character of Shula, for something interesting. Because though I, the breakup has touched so many people and the writing is brilliant, I'm interested in what Alistair does next, not her. Because I don't think she will take us anywhere as a listener of, of any real interest. No. Well, she's, because she is, you know, what did Clary, did Clary describe her as closed off or uptight? Yeah, it was something like that, wasn't it? I can't she used one of those words. And that's the problem. She's hard to identify with as a character because she doesn't give anything away. Mm. She doesn't give anything away to people around her, to her family. And because of the nature of that, she doesn't give anything away to the listeners either. Mm. Yeah, no. Absolutely. And, and and I think we were, and the whole repression thing was writ large in when Kenton went round there to take her stuff, wasn't it, about the, all, the, all the cardigans or the, then there were the, the posh jeans and, and, the, and whatever. But yeah. there was something about the banality the, of, of her wardrobe, which was, tells you everything, you know, because paint that picture. And again, you look at the other female characters, members of her family. Um, Lizzie, we don't hear much from from Lizzie, but there's stuff going on there. She's still in mourning for Nigel. She has this slight conflict about uh, moving her life on and meeting somebody else. So there was the thing with Doctor Lot, but then she kind of w- walked backwards. Um, it's her and Freddie, and the fact that Freddie is like his father, and, and she's worried. Uh, about that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's stuff there in a way that just isn't with, with the character of Shula. So let's hope she goes off in an interesting direction there. Yeah. Um, shall we have another call? Yes, please. This call remind has echoes of the Hitler Youth. That's all I'm saying, and you'll understand what I mean. <laughs> Hello. I hope I'm not too late in this call. My name is Gemma, and I recently went to the Dumpty Dum meetup in Oxford. Thank you very kindly to Robert for organising. And while I was there, I was appointed by Auntie Jean and Robert as the youth wing of the podcast. So <laughs> there you go. trying to this beauty. I called a long time ago, maybe two years, to complain about Kate, but I hope nobody remembers that. Thank you to Royfield and Lucy for wishing me luck in my exams, though. It worked, apparently. Uh, some of the rules have changed We're since back. then, and also my circumstances. I'm a student at Oxford University, where I'm studying history. Uh, I'm a Henry Archer to the day, uh, which means I have not been listening to a very long time technically for the Archers, but most of my life for me. Uh, I usually listen to the Archers right before I go to bed, so about one in the morning, usually. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about the youth of Ambridge this week, mostly because uh, I don't really know what counts as a youth. Like, what are the age ranges? I I, I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, 
by picking too young an age for, for the cutoff. Um, so could I have some limits on that? Also, uh, this is a call out for anyone who listens to the podcast or the archers and would count themselves as a youth, especially if there are students at Oxford, uh, to contact me on the Twitters. I am at could I just ask so that I can get a better idea of our numbers and consider whether or not we have enough people to justify to the vice chancellor the setting up of a society or just a group chat or something. <laughs> Uh, currently, it's just me and Francis, my dumpty plant. <laughs> I hope you all have a good week. Goodbye. <laughs> Gemma, we love you. Your zealousness is like you. A woman that needs to know her parameters. That is very good. I'm slightly worried that you're going to bed at one o'clock in the morning. That is not very good. And in Auntie Lucy fashion, I must insist that you um, cease and desist this and start going to bed by 11. Um, this sounds wonderful. The pa- the, paramil- the paramilitary youth wing of Dumpty Dum <laughs> and the Dumpty Plant. <laughs> I vote under under eighteen is youth. Mm, surely under twenty five. No, twenty uh, five? You kidding? Mm, the young conservatives. How old you got to be to be a young conservative or a young farmer? Whatever the rules are for the young farmers, that we okay. should adopt them. Google that Hold quickly. The line caller, I'm going to Google it. We are relying heavily on Uncle Google in this, shall we? How old is a young farmer? Ten to twenty. Oh, to twenty-six. There you go. There you go. <gasps> grown up and living and doing things and when you're 26 for goodness sake but the chances are right you don't have a whole load of massive responsibilities weighing you down yeah that's the yeah. thing that's the thing okay. and back back in the olden days um with like wills and probate and all of that malarkey you had to, it was the the age of majority wasn't 21 it was older than 21 it was yeah. about 25 so, yeah, in P.G. Woodhouse, they can always never get their money until they're 25. There you go. Yeah. So there you go. If it's good enough there you go, Gemma. That's your parameters. It's good enough for, for us and the young farmers, 25. Yeah. Go to bed early, myself, missus. <laughs> um, shall we have some legal advice now? Yeah. Or some le- legal insight? We don't have to pay, do we? She's probably no. got the meter ticking, hasn't she? Well, mm, I, I think she does us pro bono. Okay. Hi, it's Miss Mid-City. I'm at Bari Airport and it's really stupid of me to try and record this because of the, the <laughs> risk of there being an announcement at an untimely moment. There was an issue last week about Will and his position as a step-parent to Jake and Mia. Now, just trying to think of answering this as, as simply as I can, and I'm using way too many words already. Will does not have parental responsibility. Andrew, as the biological parent of Jake and Mia, does. Parental responsibility broadly describes the rights and responsibilities and duties and obligations that a person has to a child in their care. So even though Will has been doing the day-to-day care and looking after them alongside Nick, he hasn't automatically acquired parental responsibility. He would need to get a court order or he would need Andrew's agreement to share parental responsibility. I guess it's something that... um, 
Adam and Ian and Lexi will have to wrangle with, and it won't be too difficult because they, they, they are clear about their positions, when the child of their surrogacy agreement is born. And it's some things that would have been settled definitively when uh, Alistair adopted Daniel. So I hope that deals with it in broad terms. The only slight issue would be if uh, Andrew and Nick were not married when Jake was born because unmarried fathers only automatically acquired parental responsibility after 2003. But I think, oh, if he was born in 2003, then Jake would be 15 or so by now. I'm not sure he's quite as old as that. So um, I don't think it is an issue. But the issue of where Jake lives is a slightly more knotty one but I imagine they're not going to want another procedural episode to deal with it. Cool. What airport did she say she was at? It sounded like Berry Airport, but it can't have been. Berry? There's not one in Berry. That's what I thought she said. Berry. Mm. London Derry? I don't know. Anyway, uh, safe, I hope you had a safe trip. What do you think it was work or pleasure for our Miss Mid-City? I don't know. Can't speculate on the lady's social life. Um, <laughs> Why? I, well, I know, we speculate on everyone else's. Um, because she's our legal advisor and we have to respect her. Mm. Um, I think that... Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased because I was right for once. Hurrah! I never write about legal things. Um, but yes, it seems, you know... It, it, that he has got no, you know, the it it comes down to to blood 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 relatives, doesn't it? It always does. Um, and uh, yeah, he uh, he he doesn't have a a right to look after the children, but that doesn't seem to have sort of crossed his mind at all, which is why he's quite so fixated about um uh about Jake. Jake. Mm-hmm. We did briefly mention after the death of Nick when he was going on about jake and mia that he hadn't demonstrated at least we hadn't heard as a listener anyway any level of interaction between them and considering that this storyline has been in the gestation since no well started playing out in november that we heard a little bit more about nick and you know the election so that cemented her relationship with emma so you could feel that sense of loss um and then obviously there was the arguments etc etc and she was part of the play so so this art was planned from november we should have had a little bit of will and jake because it does feel slightly just tacked on. Yeah, yeah. We didn't yeah. hear a thing. No. And no, it's 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 very odd. I'm I'm really really worried that they're going to do some strange um, will being pushed to the brink by this sort of thing, and that we're going to have some kind of suicide thing. I really 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 hope we don't. Um, mm. But, yeah, I've got a horrible feeling that's where it's going. Yeah, because we have had him start to come to terms with things and, you know, to move back into the cottage. And then all of a sudden, potentially, his tenure at the cottage isn't secure. So you can see this is the thing that kind of like sets him back. 
yeah and also the the kind of um uh the the that sense of uh, the fact that he lied to his because Clary and Eddie yes. said there is everything yeah. got sorted out he said yeah we can stay as long as we like and it's when you enter that spirit of sort of denial of just um I I'm you know I'm I'm um I can I can I can do this I can fix this all by myself I can fix this all by myself I can I can recreate the reality for, for it to be what I want it to be that's a really really worrying mental state i think mm. and it's all kinds of alarm bells are ringing and i wish they weren't because i don't like it but anyway no it is a bit of a worry but the one thing that will has which i reason why even if he's pushed to to desperate ends you know he won't do the ultimate and do a greg the one thing that will has is a loving and supportive family yeah and the rates of male suicide are just, it, it's something which I know many, many years ago I did talk about on, on the show. There's us men just do not go and seek help yeah. when we're in yeah. distress. So yeah. I think it's like for, it's like four times as many men commit suicide than women. Yeah. And it's the biggest uh, cause of death for men under the age of 40, I believe, is suicide. And, and it's not just a British problem. It's all throughout the industrialized world men just feel dislocated are, are dislocated from their from their emotions and and reaching out for help will actually has that help and it shows you actually how empathetic mostly played as a ne'er-do-well father eddie actually is because he understands exactly what jake is going through and has an eye on yeah. will and the conversations that will is having and then you have um eddie uh, interaction uh, with clary and if this all plays out properly you know will won't go down that road but it's just really good to see a father somebody of eddie's generation who is that plugged in to his son and um his in effect, grandson, and because of the loss that he's gone through. So, yeah, you know, Will's got lots of good support there. Yeah. Right then, um, shall we um, do some adverts, come back the other side, have some socials, then you can hit us with some tweets. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. 
Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code DTD when purchasing a pair of headphones. Hi, this is Lucy, and you're listening to Walkie Talkie. Every day, I walk my dog in and around Epping Forest, and there's a regular group of dog walkers that uh, catch up with each other, and the group of us, you know, we're from all kinds of different backgrounds. The one thing we have in common is that we all have dogs, obviously, and I sort of came up with the idea of recording these conversations because there's something quite confessional about walking side by side with somebody. There's no eye contact. You can just plod along. You know the names of their dog. You quite often don't know their name. You definitely don't know their surname. And uh, it's just a very odd little hour out of the day. And you can get some really startling insights into people's lives because they know that you don't have a relationship with them outside of the dog. And also if things get a bit, you know, emotional or a bit too close, you can distract yourself with whatever the dog's doing or you get quite close to people in a remote way. It's an intriguing sort of mixture. With people's permission, obviously, I started recording some of the conversations and it sort of grew and now people ask if they can come on the walk even though they don't have a dog because I think they just like the space to talk. So this is Walkie Talkie. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you in the forest. Lucy? Yes? Um, just letting you know, I will be in the UK um, from May the 13th um, for a period, and I will be in London, and I'll be buying a dog, just so you know. Yeah, beg your pardon? Oh. What do you mean you'll be buying a dog? Good day, everyone. So not so busy on the forum this week, uh, so we'd love you to get involved, although there have been a few announcements. Uh, so if you haven't seen them on Facebook, please go to the forum. Uh, oh, on Facebook, see. we have been busy oh, discussing God, Dan, um, who's been really paying out on his mum, and we wondered whether it was usual for people to demand answers so aggressively when a separation is announced. Uh, my feeling is that one tends to try to be a little bit more supportive, but then I'm not a young 20-year-old male who's in the army, so what do I know? Caron Cunningham said, It's thoroughly bizarre. I could understand his concern if either parent was being left penniless and forced out onto the streets, or if either was seriously depressed as a result of the split. But neither is true. So what the actual what? Get on with your own life, Dan, and leave them to sort it out themselves. Anyway, why can't Shula and Alistair both live at the stables until it's sold or either buys the other out? It must be a substantial property with a flexible number of bedrooms, and it's hardly likely the split is acrimonious. So many ways to be cross with this storyline. Valerie Bailey said... 
going to swim against the tide here. Surely any offspring would be shocked and hurt to know their happy parents were separating for no apparent reason. Thank Just because you. you're an adult doesn't mean you no, no longer care. Thank Who hasn't you, acted Valerie. strangely in the initial stages of an emotional shock? I am more surprised that he got so much leave. Good point, Valerie. <laughs> Mari Harry said, why is Shula going around the houses with her explanation anyway? If Dan is being so aggressive and persistent, Shula needs to say, now look, Dan, your dad's dull. I know that I'm <laughs> equally as dismal, but we have nothing in common, etc., etc." Two miserable personalities in this marriage are no longer an option. Now clear off and mind your own business. And while you're about it, get your grandma and tell her to keep her beak out as well. Thank you very much, Mari. You made me laugh. But that does segue beautifully to our next question. Our next question was about Peggy and why she thinks she's entitled to be told what is happening on the Aldridge's farm. Now, I would suggest that, yes, one does often talk to one's family about what's happening in one's life. But if you choose not to, then no one can demand that you do. And honestly, the way Peggy speaks, I wouldn't tell her anything because she just seems to demand to know information without having any empathy. This is my opinion. What was your opinion? Well, Jer Jerry Rowley said, she has read Family and Kinship in East London and knows how this should work. Denise Tomlinson said, it's because she's a bossy old trout. Elizabeth <laughs> Bean said, I am concerned about the well-being of my son-in-law. After all, it affects my daughter and grandchildren. Peggy has a right to care. Yep, absolutely, she does have a right to care. Whether she has a right to demand information, Elizabeth, um, I, I disagree with that. But yes, of course, she has the right to care. Um, and Jean Bell also said, is it because it is the future of her grandchildren? Lots more in that vein. That was a very healthy um, uh, discussion that we had there. And it was pretty fast moving when I asked the original question. So thank you. And finally, we talked about the new love interest for Jazza. Now, that hasn't been announced yet. That is my prediction, and I am very rarely correct. But nevertheless, I announced it as the new love interest. Robert Wilson said, I believe I was calling for Jazza to have a love interest in this week's show. Can this be the first ever plot prediction I've made that comes true? Well, Robert, you <laughs> predicted that he needed one. I predicted that this is one. And I have to tell you, I'm never right. So I think we might... Uh, we might be barking up the wrong tree here. <laughs> Claire Taylor said, I thought it was going to be the American who was the shoe-in for the job at Barrow Farm. I don't think um, it was actually announced as an American, but someone who'd been working in America, if I'm right. Karen Cunningham said, I do. I thought her and Jazza should have got together uh, when they first met. And I think wedding bells may be sounding soon because, of course, we have discussed the fact that she did work experience uh, for Tom at some stage um, and that Jazza had a bit of a crush on her then. Um, and his foot's on the soap for sure, says Helen James. I didn't really know what that meant. Um, is That might be an English English expression I haven't caught up with. And uh, Meg Edgoose probably said, yes, I remember her, but I don't think it's the same actor. So, wow, what an amazing memory you've got, Meg. Anyway, way more in that vein. Uh, we'd love you to get involved, as always. So you've got the forum, you have Facebook. Either way, we'd love to see you there. So until I speak to you next time, I'm going to say hooroo. Hooroo. Um, just before going to Tweets of the Week, uh, Lucy, um, Millie 
Bell did post on the Dum De Dum Facebook page. Um, what do you love about the Dum De Dum podcast? And if you could change one thing about the podcast, what would it be? Go. To say, I looked at that thread through the corner of my eye, Lucy, uh, you know, scared, worried, yeah. in trepidation what people would say. It's putting it mildly. Yeah. And people were so lovely. Apart from me bleating oh. on about my personals, which uh, which one person said, everybody says, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for being so kind, so gentle uh, with us. Because I went, got, I had to, I, had, I seriously poured myself um, a little, a little dram of whiskey before I looked through <laughs> that thread. Because I thought, I, I, my ego is going to take a battering here. But, uh, but of course. Um, you're all lovely so thank you for that oh uh, oh um yeah something that millie bell said about about peggy you know that she's yes she's entitled to care but she's not entitled to demand it was the bit that i found found interesting was when she said i don't like being kept in the dark jennifer mm. and it wasn't i'm worried i care about you i uh, anything like that it was something is happening that i don't know about and i don't like that because it puts me at a disadvantage but while, um, whilst you are spot on the money her having a go at brian was all about her being defensive and protecting her daughter yes it was it was yeah it was. And, and the other that, thing i'd great. say about peggy uh being a nosy old battle axe every member of that family feels free to go round and ask her for a loan or two so do you know what I mean yeah in a, yeah, a yeah, wider yeah. family you know, Tom etc yeah. etc et so yeah you know people can't have it both ways you know it's a bank of grandma then all of a sudden yes I know right. and then you can't tell her that yeah. she can't kick her, to, yeah. kick her to the curb when it suits you yeah so yeah oh um I I don't normally do this don't worry I'm not going to do map corner or anything but um I need to recommend a podcast um, which is called West Cork. Um, if any of you like the sort of serial type true crime stuff, it's absolutely brilliant. The only worrying thing about it is that the main suspect for the murderer sounds exactly like Robart. Um, that is a little bit disturbing. If you can get past that, <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. So if you, it's, I think India Knight bigged it up on, in her column this week um, in the, in the times, but it's, yeah, it's just absolutely unmissable listening and you can't, it makes you just sort of, it's just gripping, really gripping. When West you, Cork. when you say. It's an audible, uh, it's an audible.com podcast. Okay. Um, when you say Robart, do you mean our Robart yes. or the yes. Robart? Okay. No, he sounds exactly, he sounds really, really like uh, Robert Wilson. Mm, okay. Um, mm. ju just for us whilst we're here, and I know that all I ever do is shamelessly plug uh, the stuff that I do because there's nothing else going on in my life uh, or in, in my head and in my whole world just revolves around me. But um, I've started this new little podcast um, with a, a very lovely guy called David Crowther, and he does a podcast called The History of England. And there's probably will be a trail, of, probably has been a trail of this at the start of the show. And it's called The Things That Made England. And we just talk each episode about something which is quintessentially English, and it can be a historical date, so like 1066, or it can be Scar or HP Source. And the reason why I, I bring this up is just to say that uh, David had the great idea 
of not just having a, a Facebook group, you know, that, that's hardly rocket science if you've got a podcast, but he said what we should do is each episode, whatever we talk about, we should get the listeners to um, say what they, what they thought about it and whether it should go into the cabinet as something which actually made England. Lucy, we've only, been, we've only put one episode up, but the level of intelligence and humour on the things that made England Facebook group is just something to behold. So Fiona Siobhan Powell is on there. So there's a few uh, dum-de-dum regulars. But it's just uh, it's just something utterly to, to behold. And if nothing else, don't listen to the podcast, folks. If you just think, you know what, I've had enough Royfield in my life, which would be totally be understandable, the amount of podcasts that I do. But just, just sign up to that because people are talking about uh, deep dish pizzas are now it is an abomination but talking about the 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 science of cooking it's just brilliant it's the things that made england forget the podcast if you don't any more of me totally understand just go onto the facebook group and there are a lot of people who are very um interested passionate knowledgeable about shit talking <laughs> intelligently about it it's just it's just it's absolutely beautiful so the things that made england on facebook now can we have some tweets we can uh amanda white said daniel hebden lloyd ex sandhurst fearless fighter defender of the kingdom and bloody great big crybaby (laughs) (laughs) andrew langston commented on harassment saying to fallon Kick me when I get boring. That ship sailed months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Alternative Archers, who has set up a rather marvellous hashtag called Ask Alwyn. So if you want um, Alwyn's comment on anything, because she has an opinion on everything, as we know, you just just do at at Ask Alwyn. And um, the Alternative Archers, um, I think the question was... (laughs) something about who would you make out who would you give something to in your will and she put oh to be able to even afford to have a will i would give it all to the hedgehog trust i bet you voted brexit it's your fault butter is so expensive (laughs) (laughs) um john porter had once again the greetings card industry has totally failed to capitalize on a lucrative market sorry your artificially implanted fetus proved unviable (laughs) 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 and the winner this week is Exeter Dormouse who has already appeared this week Um, who had Rex Bert, Toby and I are a dead cert to win best trio of elderly widower alpha male philanderer and beta male sado at this year's Ambridge (laughs) Flower and Produce and Unlikely Housemates Awards Jazza hold my shires pal (laughs) 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 but anyway that joke's bust now james because he's moved back um but anyway it's very good i like that a lot right awesome um wrapping up time now folks okay uh map corner now sorry You've surpassed yourself this week, folks. Surpassed yourself. Lucy, there have been so many good ones that I stupidly said on more than one occasion, I can't see how that won't be a winner of a map of the week. Only for it I to be... They all are. Well, let's just run through a few of them, shall we? 
right? So I'm going to start off in no particular order, right? But Alison and Lady Garfgarf both sent me in um, this quiz, which was in The Guardian, which was, um, Roy Field, I thought you might enjoy this for Matt Corner. Obviously, a little bit easy if you know Russian, but mine's a little bit, ru- little bit rusty. Basically, it's a whole set of Soviet spy maps of major cities around the world. So it's all written in Cyrillic, and you have to guess the city from, from the map. And um, I am anal enough, and so is Alison, that we both got il- 10 out of 11. Right. So, yeah, to really be damned, I still I could still work out what the hell I'm looking at. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. It's amazing because you can't read sodding English, but you can read Cyrillic. <laughs> well, I, I can read a map, Lucy. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and thank you for reminding me of my of my deficiencies. But any, no problem. But um, it just <laughs> just aesthetically, these things are just beautiful. Lots of level of detail, kind of golden browns and yellows. And they're obviously made like in the 1980s and they're obviously been declassified from somewhere. But like just beautiful, beautiful thing uh, to behold. Now, Robert Wilson, who's uh, made an appearance quite a few times on this podcast already, um, he had a rather gruesome offering for Map Corner. And it's the death penalty in Europe. So it's the method and the mm. year of the last peacetime execution. So, um, what year was the last person uh, the last person get get to get hung in the UK? Take a guess, Luce. Oh God, is it nineteen sixty three or something? Oh, I'll give you that nineteen sixty four. Well done, well done. <gasps> so, can I? Uh, can I? Go. But I'm gonna. Do, I'm. I can do one. I can do one. I can do one. Um, what was the name of the last person that was hanged? Oh God. Ruth Ellis was the last woman. Um, I cannot remember. But do you know what? No one knows. Because two men were hanged at the same time in different parts of the country and no one knows which one died first. Ah. That is a great bit of trivia. Isn't it? Absolutely. So this map, so you've got a map of Europe. Now, where the map falls down is purely on aesthetics. So you've got this kind of like uh, mid-green with a with a vibrant kind of cerise and with the blue, denoting the different methods of execution, right? So aesthetically, it's not pleasing, but the information is something to behold. So um, the last execution uh, done in Iceland was 1830. So that's the, that's the earliest date. Now, Lucy... Um, which countries do you think go in for um, firing squad? Are you there? Lucy? Oh, God. Lucy? Hello? No, I can't hear you. Which countries go into what, where? Oh, yes? you're back. All right. So... One of the uh, one of the glories of this map isn't just the date of the last. I lost you. You said which countries do I yeah, think yeah, yeah, going I'm, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going back. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, yeah. So one of the glories of this map isn't just the date of the last execution, but the means of the last execution. So you've got beheadings, firing squads, guillotine, hanging, single shot. Oh, I like single shot. That's badass, isn't it? Pow! Pop to the head. Right. So. Um, Take a wild guess how they how they used to kill people in Sweden. 
Oh, God. Lucy? Lucy? Yes. Hello, I'm back again. All right. Did you hear that question at all? No. Oh. But all I won't right. know the answer, Listen. so just do it. No, just it's just 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 a guess, isn't it? How do you how do you think they used to kill people in Sweden? I didn't think they had the death penalty, did they? Well, everywhere used to have it. Yeah. Um, All right, I tell hanging. you, guillot- firing no. squad, guillotine. No, I tell no, you. in Sweden. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they like the single shot to the head in Germany. Right. This but is horrible. Squad, I don't want fire... to talk about this. Okay, let, let's move on. I just thought it was kind of quite interesting in and of itself. Claire Asprey sent in a sadly familiar picture to all of my UK housing colleagues, shared mainly for the fun of the interactive map. Basically, it's how inaffordable houses are in, in the UK. And the fact that the average home is now worth 7.8 times the average salary and that ratio was around four times in 1997. The average home in Kenton and Chelsea is 41 times the average local wage. Mm. Um, but that map wins out on pure aesthetics. Beautiful range of blues to um, aquas and greens and yellows. It's a beautiful thing to, to actually to look at, but my God, to, uh, is the evidence there horrendous. Titian73 sent in a map of the alleys north of Fleet Street and they're all kind of small and higgledy-piggledy because they're absolutely medieval aren't they? Now Nina sent in a world map, a world music map now we've kind of had variations on this before, we had a music map of the USA before Nina Um, so on this map you've got a place called Born in the USA you've got Back in the USSR you've got Anarchy in the UK etc etc, China Girl uh, and New York, New York etc so um, we have had um, variations on that before but thank you for that glean full of love now this is one for you lucy this map of the united kingdom shows the most popular source topping condiment for chip shops by county ah curry sauce in the north they're massive Mm. on curry sauce in sheffield well according to this the county of south yorkshire gravy is more popular than curry sauce but this oh, is yeah, no, got. sorry, I meant gravy. Yeah, chips exactly. and gravy. Exactly, exactly. So this is what you've got. Cheese as a topping, curry sauce, chip sauce, which is in brackets HP sauce, gravy, ketchup, mushy peas, mayonnaise, yeah. or salad cream. In books, they go for mayonnaise on their chips. Salad Isn't cream on chips. Exactly. Isn't that kind of very continental? Isn't mm. that Dutch? Anyway, um, yeah. In Northern Ireland, they're all over the place. They go for all of it over there. But that I'm is a most... I'm doing the. I'm doing. Who did the tweets of the week this week? <laughs> all right. Let me know when you've uh, stopped. Christine Armstrong. Number of wars each country has been involved in since World War Two. Audrianne Carubra sent me an Oakland map. Claire Asprey and Catherine Rowan Jones um, sent me in a map. And it says this is just brilliant. This map shows the biggest trading partner of each country. So you imagine a map of Europe. 
Now, aesthetically, it's really jarring on the eyes because it's to show you the largest trading partner of each country. And it overlays that country with the map, with the flag of the trading partner. Now, if ever you were a Brexiteer, you need to take a long, hard look at this map to show you the fallacy of what we're actually doing with Brexit. Sorry to bring politics into it, but it's writ large. So Britain... It's Germany. So we got the German flag. Iceland, it's Germany. Norway, Sweden, Finland, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Austria, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Serbia, Macedonia, Croatia, Bosnia, Italy, France, Spain, Denmark, Holland, all Germany. The whole thing's a sea of German flags. Dare I say it, they're supposed to have lost the Second World War, but they've definitely won the peace. Our largest trading partner is only one country in Europe, and that is Ireland. Look at that for the economic reality of where uh, Europe is right now and where uh, we are going to walk off a cliff. Anyway, no more politics. Miriam, she sent in um, a lovely map, which um, is absolutely shows a real kind of practical use of mapping. Now, I know Alison Hartley, I've spoken to her, who's one of our listeners who is blind some time ago. And um, she likes to navigate and she can navigate because she can get a phone to talk to her so she can nav- help someone who's driving to navigate. But this is um, an application that converts uh, street map data into 3D tactile maps, which is ideal for people who are blind, who are um, have little vision. So they can actually feel where they're going. So that's absolutely brilliant. So thank you for that, Miriam. Claire Asprey sent in a map, which is just, um, dare I say, map porn and history porn for people like me. It's a map that superimposes the border of the German Empire with the electoral results of the 2007 uh, parliamentary elections in Poland. Now, this is one for you, Lucy. You can actually wake up again now before we come on to a map of the week. Um, It's the entomological um, names of African countries. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will edit this section down. Don't worry when I do the edit. Um, right. So uh, there's a country called Hippo. What's the country? Take a wild guess. Kenya. Mali. Um, Angola means chief. There's a country which is land of the blacks. Now, think, ab- think about the name that Somalia. you called yourself. Good guess, but no cigar. That Somalia means the land of the milking nomads. However, <laughs> the land of the blacks, right? Think about um, a British general at the height of empire who was seen as the hero of a particular battle. What was that general's name? End of the Victorian age. And Winston uh, Churchill was in that campaign, a young Churchill. I don't know. General Gordon Woman. You, that, so I couldn't have oh, set this up. That's who I am, isn't it? That's who you are oh, today. Exactly. You called yourself General yes. Gordon. So Khartoum is where? Oh, oh I don't know, Royfield. Sudan. Oh, God. You've oh, really God. wrung the fun out of this one. Anyway, map of the week. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, sent in by a few people um, by Robert Wilson and Alison and there were a couple of others and it's how the world sounds like a piano 
and I'm going to put this at the very end of the show because what I haven't done is rip the rip the uh, the audio. But Lucy, what you got to do is imagine a keyboard ranged to the right. Okay, it's an animation, by the way. So you've got the eight scales, and then um, there's a little play line which then moves across the rest of the picture. And each and there is a map of the world. So whenever the play line hits um, a certain uh, outline of the world, it hits a certain note, and it goes all the way through. And so it starts at Alaska, and it works its way east. It does um, America, does Greenland, it does it does Britain, and then hits Africa, and it's it's a joy. It's an utter joy. Very clever, mm. bit of fun. Our Andrew Horn who obviously knows a little thing about music, called it tacky and cheap. Him and Robert had a Twitter beef about it. Robert said, oh, come on, right? And I must admit, I'm in the Robert camp here. Come on, Andrew. It was a little bit of fun. So thank you for your maps. Um, they won't return for, for a few weeks, maybe maybe till about, ju- till about June. But remember, hashtag map corner. Lots of fun. Maps are awesome. Remember, to get in contact with us, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website or call us on 0203-0313-105 to leave us a message via a telephone. You can find myself and Lucy at dum dum on the Twitters. Uh, Lucy is at... Lu- uh, Lucy V. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> I temporarily uh, forgot found that. Naked That's fingers. good. <laughs> <sighs> And don't forget, of course, we have our super duper Facebook group, folks, uh, where uh, you just talk about all things uh, archers on there. So, and you can find us quite simply there at Dum Dum. Right, I've bored you all to death with Map Corner. Uh, Lucy. Yep. Anything you want to say before you go? Uh, no, have a nice week, everybody. No podcast you want to plug? Any appearances on, um, on national radio forthcoming? Oh, yeah, yeah, or... sorry. Um, uh, I recorded an interview with lovely, lovely, lovely Angela Barnes on last week, and it's going to be out sometime in May, and we don't know when yet, and as soon as we know, we'll tell you. Awesome. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you all again in a couple of weeks' time. Okay, then. For some more action-packed, in-depth archers discussion and debate. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.